This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Master. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra. It is our weekly podcast. It's when we bring you an in-depth interview you will not hear anywhere else. And this week, it's a double shot, if you Mm -hmm. will. We caught up with two folks in the alcohol business, the booze business, Lindsay Andrews, CEO and founder of Minibar. They are literally delivering alcohol to your door. Uh, Business is booming, to say the least. And John Jordan of Jordan Winery, uh, well-known in the wine business. You turned me on to it years ago, Uh, Carol. It's delicious. We got to sample some remotely. Uh, But also getting in touch with him and getting up to speed on some of the things he's doing for his community out there in Northern California. Well, if you think about the wine industry, Jason, just over the last couple of years between fires and droughts, and then of course now the coronavirus, they have really been impacted pretty hard. And what I loved about him, he is thinking about their supply chain. They work with a lot of restaurants. So he's thinking about how can we help the community and keep it going and make sure it's vital on the other side of the virus. Here's more from both of them. Uh, I think we could all use a drink. (laughs) No doubt about it, man. And I've got to say, I've seen more tweets about alcohol than I can keep track of during this health crisis. And let's not forget some liquor stores, right? They've been deemed essential in this lockdown. And rightly so. All right. So let's get into it with Lindsay Andrews, co-founder and chief executive officer at Minibar Delivery on the phone from Long Island. Lindsay, thank you for joining us. First of all, I got to say, I wasn't familiar with your business. Oh, um, I am. Come you? on, Carol, oh, catch yeah. up. <laughs> so tell me. Where have tell you me, been? I don't know. I'm still a little traditional when I buy my wine. Um, so tell me about what you guys are doing and tell me about the activity level that you've seen since we've all been in lockdown. Yeah, so Minibar Delivery is the best way to shop for wine, spirits, and beer online. So we have a website, an iOS, and Android app, and we connect consumers to local liquor stores. So you put in your delivery address, you see what the local stores around you have, add to cart, check out seamlessly on Minibar, the store is alerted, they pick, pack, and deliver. Um, so we're in you know about 50 cities across the U.S., but we have seen explosive growth in the past couple of weeks since um, Trump announced the lockdown. So new buyers are up 525%. Um, sales are up 138%. And mm. we've even seen sales growing from the March post-corona to like the first couple days of April. So it's still growing and still increasing as people have been, you know, hopefully sheltering at home, hopefully isolating, but hopefully still, you know, finding a reason to celebrate or having a Zoom call with friends. Yeah. To, well, uh, that's, glass that's the other sale. thing. Like even our own Charlie Vollmer, who is responsible for making us all work, you know, on a tech- technology level, technological level. He, uh, I think that first week we were all home, he's like, hey, we're doing a Zoom cocktail hour. Can you do Yeah, this? exactly. <laughs> you want to have a Zoom teeny here? Um, so what are you seeing in terms of what people are drinking, Lindsay? Uh, t- take yeah. us into the numbers here. Yeah, so, you know, mostly the top brands have stayed at the top, but what we've seen is, oddly, Corona beer has um, snuck into one of our top three beers. On no. It was not there before. Um, so I think, I don't know if people are doing it ironically, but um, Probably. So Corona has kind of risen in popularity. And then we've also seen um, 
there's been a decrease in sales in champagne and sparkling. I think, you know, it's not the most celebratory time. Mm. Um, so people are drinking, and we have seen kind of wine stay steady. Liquor has actually increased as a percentage I was going to say, I bet the hard stuff has really increased. It is. It has increased, um, and beer has decreased. And even I've found with my own personal, you know, I generally drink white wine. But now that I'm at home, I'm not going out, I've tried to mix it up and make cocktails, you know, um, an Aperol spritz here, a spicy margarita there. So I've definitely been mixing it up myself. So I think people are doing that and trying new things, much like they're doing with cooking. Yeah. Um, trying all these new things. You see, you know, the sale of yeast for making bread has skyrocketed. Yeah. So I think people are just trying new things and have the time to, you know, experiment, which is I've great. been trying to buy flour for weeks and I can't yeah. get it. No, seriously, because everybody's we, baking. Well, I have to say, we, we hoarded a little bit of flour. My wife is an unbelievable baker she comes by it naturally um and so we're we're having to do a lot of like outdoor exercise when we can and like you know get on the peloton <laughs> to sort of counter all of the good baking that's being done in my 15 year old doing doing a lot of that as well you know Lindsay, one of the reasons one of the several reasons i was excited to talk to you is you know you understand the world of e-commerce you worked at wag you have a lot of background in, in sort of this this new world we're we're living in fresh direct i believe you worked at as yep. well so I mean, you understand this sort of new world we're living in, and I do wonder what's what's temporary and what's permanent when it comes to how we are acquiring things as as consumers. What do you see lasting when life gets back to something resembling normal? Well, I think kind of alcohol e-commerce had definitely lagged other sectors in penetration, and I think you know people just didn't know that they could press a button and get their alcohol delivered, much like their groceries or, you know, an Uber car or whatnot. Um, so now that, you know, I think tons of people now know that they can get alcohol delivered and they didn't know that before. So I think people will change their buying habits yeah. and start, I mean, it's, you know, Tito's is a heavy, bulky consumable. It doesn't matter what store it comes from. <laughs> so it's very easy to buy online, whereas you might care where your, you know, tacos or burger or Thai food comes from, you know, it. it it's a consumable. It's a commodity. It doesn't so, actually matter the store. All right. I've been distracted because I've been on your website. And so I'm in there and I'm <laughs> checking around. Um, but, a, but a window pops up. We're experiencing a surge in demand. It's no yeah. different when I go and try to buy groceries <laughs> and I can't find a delivery slot. So if somebody goes online, um, can they get it in a couple of days? Is it a week? Like, oh, what are yeah. we talking now at this point? So our normal, um, we usually deliver in 30 to 60 minutes. Um, the stores have experienced a massive surge in deliveries. So now, you know, our orders are running a little bit late. So it's more, it's going to be delivered in like two to four hours. Um, and it's definitely better <laughs> since we're all at home anyway can to you, order can you, earlier Can you in the call day. Fresh Direct and tell them how you're doing that? <laughs> Could you just please? Um, well, they have, a, they have a very complicated I know, supply I chain. Know, um, I know. But so... Yeah, so we're definitely running a little bit behind because the massive surge in orders, and our customer service staff has been amazing working around the clock, but they've, you know, they're getting the number of calls in a day that we used to get in a week. So yeah. it's definitely been a huge serve, and, and we're lucky. So we're hiring. We're hiring customer service people. We'll probably hire people um, for our corporate office to help with the demand, and we've diverted our tech team to really build tools for our customer service team since they're so inundated with yeah. uh, requests. 
and Lindsay, what are you having to do or what are you choosing to do in terms of like safety of delivery and, and all of those things that everyone, both on the employer, employee and, and consumer side yeah. is obviously very concerned about? Yes, of course. So our entire team is, you know, mandatory work from home. And then the delivery staff, you know, we really encourage um, people to bring their own pen if they need to sign. (laughs) Don't hand your ID to the delivery staff. And hopefully everyone's sheltering at home. So the delivery staff are hopefully on the streets alone and not exposed. Um, So we really, you know, encourage both the consumer and the delivery people um, not to exchange anything like pens or IDs or hand the bag, just right. put it down. Um, but unfortunately, alcohol is a highly regulated item, so we do need to make sure that people it are gets still to the right responsibly hands. and yeah. that underage people are not taking advantage. Right, of yeah, you got to figure out a way to see those IDs. You know, that exactly. I, I would imagine that there is an extra step that, that is different from like somebody dropping from off a, a prime package at my, exactly. at my front door. So are you holding on to all your employees or have you hired more because of increased demand? Yeah, we hired more. Um, So, you know, we, I think this week we've already onboarded, you know, hired two new customer service people um, and we have offers out to more. Wow. So when you uh, look at sort of, speaking of supply chain, uh, Lindsay, what are you hearing from some of your partners? Because, you know, you work with some of the biggest um, liquor and and alcohol brands in the world. Are are they good with with supply? And what are you hearing from them as you think about sourcing? I I know you're dealing mostly with retailers, but I know you also have, you know, good touches into some of the big brands. Yeah, we have great relationships with the big brands, and since they can no longer, unfortunately, do a lot um, on-premise in bars and restaurants, you know, out-of-home advertising no longer makes sense. We've actually seen a huge influx in um, inbound inquiries for partnerships from all the major suppliers, um, which has been great for us, and we love working with them. Um, and then we have, much like we've seen an increase in late deliveries, we have seen an increase in out-of-stocks as well, just because... Yeah. So many people are buying and the supply chain is just a little bit harder with, um, you know, how the world is working today. So because we are Bloomberg, we're always interested in this. Are you guys profitable? We, I mean, after this turn of events, I think this year we will be profitable. Wow. I think 2020 could be that breakout moment where we will be profitable, which is really exciting. Um, So that is our plan. Well, because we talk about, you know, as a result of everybody staying at home, working from home, you know, what are the things, whether it's the working from home aspect, whether it's telemedicine, whether it's education, like there are things we wonder what will stay with us. And this is a way actually for you guys, right, to kind of for people to get comfortable with the idea of buying, you know, alcohol online. Yes. And hopefully, you know, we want to make people's lives easier and give free up their time to do the things they love, like spend time with family, go out to restaurants you know, do their hobbies, read a book instead of doing chores like going to the liquor store. Instead, let's make it easier and let them press a button, get it delivered. It's heavy, bulky. We want to make, you know, free up their time to do their passions. All right. Well, we're looking forward yes. to uh, maybe having a delivery to our studio when we're back <laughs> in. Uh, we really appreciate it. Lindsay Andrews, co-founder, CEO of Minibar Delivery, joining us on the phone from Long Island. Uh, listen, Did you just uh, see like the mailroom call? Uh, Jason? Uh, uh, d- d- Jason, there's some Maker's Mark uh, <laughs> and some uh, Pappy Van Winkle that is uh, waiting here uh, for you. And be like, yes, send it uh, right up. Right up to the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio, please.
Uh, no, that's a re- it's really interesting. I mean, look, there will be that's companies that will grow and thrive yeah. on the other side of this, and you do wonder whether, and, th- and that's what we were talking about, this yeah. notion that if you get used to doing that in the same way people got used to buying books, buying so much stuff from Amazon. Groceries online, like all these yeah. things, right? Why yeah. not? Like we listen. We I have a feeling there may be a mini bar headed to the uh, master, uh, <laughs> the master really? man's before too So you too really? Long. So you use? You've used them? I met them a few years ago. Oh, okay. Um, I don't use them here. They don't deliver to the burbs yet. Okay. But um, yeah, no, I, I met them a few years ago. It's a fascinating concept. Yeah, and and her background, Smart. as we talked about, is really interesting too because she's worked with some of these big e-commerce yeah. uh, companies so before. How it works, so right? totally understands the logistics of it uh, and all of that. COVID nineteen, as we know, is indiscriminate. We've talked about this a lot. Impact all industries and all individuals, potentially. And that includes the wine industry. Our next guest is a second-generation vintner. He has a degree in economics, a law degree, an MBA. He's former officer in the Navy Reserves. We're talking about the CEO and owner of Jordan Winery and also creator of the John Jordan Foundation. And uh, we are so welcome to have with us John Jordan. And John, I got to do full transparency. Um your wine has been a favorite of my husband's for decades, decades, and it's become a favorite of mine. So welcome, welcome to Bloomberg Radio. I'm delighted to have you. I know you're on the phone in California, so welcome to Bloomberg Radio. Well, thank you and happy to be here and glad you've enjoyed Jordan wine over the years. Absolutely. Tell well, we're us- enjoying some right now, courtesy <laughs> of you. So I actually haven't taken a sip yet, but I am cheers uh, to my to my co-host uh, and to you. We, we really do uh, appreciate it, John. And I guess just start by asking, How are you? you're well, how are you? How's the family? Well, first of all, the wineries, our winery family is in good shape. Um, we're under the, the terms of our uh, shelter-in-place, local shelter-in-place orders. We're allowed to have employees work as long as social distancing guidelines and hygiene ha- guidelines are observed to, to continue the winemaking prog- uh, process and to protect the inventory that we have in the building. Now, however, we are unable to see visitors and do tours and tastings, uh, which is really, really hard for all of us here because hospitality is as much part of our business as is winemaking, not from a revenue point of view, but just in terms of who we are. And it's, it's it, all of the visitors and the staff that we have uh, taking care of them, they're very sorely missed right now. Um, the wine industry, the, the, Sonoma and Napa are shut down to visitors. And that is to not so much to us, but it's devastating to local restaurants, hotels, and wineries that depend upon people coming to see them. People look at the wine country and, and understand, that, of course, that wine is our biggest industry, but uh, not too far behind is tourism and is visitation. To have that taken away is just devastating to so many small businesses that are necessary to not only operating wineries, operating restaurants and hotels, um, but uh, you know it, it's, it's it's just been, it's it's just a, a terrible blow to our economy. Well, and that's a big part that we've been talking about as well about the restaurant industry. We've had um, Danielle Ballou on and, and others just because that industry has been devastating. And you guys sell to a lot of that industry, which has been shut down as well. It has. You know, we sell almost, we've sold almost three quarters of our wine until this, uh, all of this happened uh, into America's restaurants. Now almost all restaurants are gone. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, you know, Jordan is a restaurant that's pleased people throughout the years and brought a lot of pleasure. And now we're, we're fortunate to be in the position to be able to offer it to people in stores, you know, whether it's a fine wine shop or grocery stores um, or, uh, you know, or, 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 or businesses that are essential. So we have an outlet for our product, right. but that doesn't do a lot of good for a lot of 
uh, other small businesses in the area. Well, and and John, obviously, you know, this has not been an easy few years for for the wine business. As uh, Carol goes bottoms up, I'm watching her on yeah. uh, and uh, very happily. It's been so. a long week. <laughs> uh, this has not been an easy few years, and and, and we've talked about that uh, a lot on, on this show. Help us understand how the economics overall have changed, sort of synthesizing all of the the fires and the droughts and everything sort of the the various things that have been visited upon this business well first of all uh, all our businesses in sonoma and napa have gotten very good at emergency procedures because yeah. we have so much practice um, with regard to the fires the biggest damage uh, largely to the community economically wasn't as much the fires themselves as it is the perception that Sonoma, Napa, and the wine country had burned down because of the, the graphic nature of the coverage. Now, in 2017 in particular, a lot of people lost their homes and there was loss of life. And as, as much as we mourn that, the damage continued because uh, people thought that, you know, Sonoma was gone and, and, yeah. and there was no point in coming to visit. And that harm was longer lived and probably more profound and more deeply felt in in this community then the so physical damage you're saying the perception was actually worse than the physical damage correct the, the physical damage was in a lot of residential uh, yeah. areas Interesting. I, mean, I had a lot of my employees um, a few employees lose their homes and the company we obviously helped them with that but you know in 2018 most of the mo- 2019 for the most part people had their houses put together and then we had another fire the fires in 2019 while made great television really didn't do they were out in the wilderness so they didn't really impact or uh, they burned down one winery but other right. than that it would the, the the structural damage wasn't there but once again there was right. the, the the change in perceptions which hurts so many small and family uh, small family right. businesses whether it's restaurants hotels bed and breakfast that depend upon the visitation. We have at this hour, John Jordan, he's owner of Jordan Winery, uh, also head of the Jordan Foundation on the phone um, from California. So John, tell us a little bit about the John Jordan Foundation, because I was reading about it. Um, You guys do a lot of things. A lot of it's about education, but it's also about helping, you know, other individuals launch small businesses. Tell us a little bit uh, about it. Well, the John Jordan Foundation is something I started uh, in 2012, and I thought it was a productive place to put the prof- put profits from the winery. We do everything for we try to close educational gaps. Uh, is one thing as iPads in schools where children, if they're in low income schools, where if they're not exposed to technology early, they're behind the game. If they're not tech fluent, um, that can damage them and, and condemn them to being in a permanent underclass. So in predominantly um, minority neighborhoods, Latino. Here, which is what you know, we have a lot of Latino people right. that live here. Uh, that uh, we uh, uh, pediatric dentistry. You know, if you go to an emergency room, you can get medical care, but not dental dental care. So if you're 11, 12 years old and you have your adult teeth and they're falling out, you're not only in pain, you're vulnerable to illness. There's self-esteem issues. So we are committed to closing a lot of that gap, especially with pediatric dentistry, education, um, English as a second language, and then uh, micro training and micro loans for those uh, individuals that may not have a, a, a lengthy formal education to gain the skills and knowledge they need to be able to start their own small business. So we're proud to have worked with several organizations throughout the West to uh, to try to grow an entrepreneurial class uh, of people that other that may have grown up never thinking they would own a business, and then lastly uh, we try to uh, address those unfortunately all too often occurrences here locally where businesses and individuals are displaced to through uh, natural disasters. 
Right. And and the the notion of and, and this sort of dovetails with some of the stuff we were talking about before the break in, in terms of, you know, helping people with meals and, and whatnot at a time. I know there's a lot of that going around uh, going on around us here uh, in New York City as well because of first responders and, and people displaced. You're doing some work there, too. Yes, what we try to do is look at problems holistically. Often there are multiple dimensions and multiple injuries that derive from um, a calamity of some sort. In this case, with businesses being shut down, you have lots of people being hurt. You have people that lost their jobs that may now be food insecure. You have restaurant people, the rest businesses that are now failing, particularly restaurants, Mm -hmm. and they may never be able to reopen and provide people jobs in the future. It's a vicious cycle. And what people don't hear about so much is a lot of the farm and vendors and purveyors that supply those restaurants, they're getting hurt too. So through a program called Sonoma Family Meal, the foundation, uh, we've uh, funded an effort to open 17 restaurants, and that allows them to keep a small staff of, of, of servers and chefs busy, pay their bills, so that they can stay open in the future. In, in exchange, they provide um, meals to those who otherwise wouldn't be able to eat. Yeah. And this also keeps uh, some of those farmers and vendors in business. So we're attacking a problem from several different directions. And that's what we really try to do with the foundation is identify those gaps, which maybe aren't sexy or, or positive or to get a lot of press and attack them and then try to look at other problems on several dimensions and be creative in the solutions we, uh, we support. I love this so much because I was just talking to somebody in our town, and my wife is actually working on a project related to this here. I live in just a little town, Sleepy Hollow, in, in just north of New York City, and it, there's an effort to do exactly the sort of thing you're talking about because we talk so much about supply chains, John, and this is a supply chain ultimately. You know, you're talking about farms and restaurants, and it also is about a workforce that we need to figure out a way – just to sort of bridge us across to this new normal. And if we can keep these restaurants open and keep people employed and and restaurant owners, I think, are doing an amazing job at figuring out these creative ways. Obviously, there's social distancing involved and things like that. But if you can keep people fed, keep people employed, and sort of keep that chain going, just hold on to it for a little while till we get on the other side. It's such a, as you say, you know, these are complicated problems that we sometimes, I, I think, underestimate uh, the, the complexity there, to be sure. It is. What you see here, you know, historically and for whatever reason, you know, uh, you look, people would look at as employees are on one side of a fence and businesses are on yeah. another as if there's some bright line between them. And what we're learning, America is learning here, is that we're all, all intertwined, that businesses are people. When businesses get hurt, people get hurt. And businesses have a concurrent responsibility to their employees because a business is only as good as the people that work there. We're all in this together, and I think if there's any good to come of this crisis is that perhaps uh, it reminds us of that truism. Well, and I also think, you know, and I'm thinking about the government's stimulus, the federal government's stimulus efforts, John. I mean, also a reminder that when we come down to it, despite, you know, it's the big companies that are often in the headlines and we talk so much about the publicly held companies, it's small business ultimately that is what America is all about and that ultimately really keeps the economy going. Exactly. You know, what what doesn't get a lot of press is that small business is actually bigger than big business. Smaller businesses in the sub-500 employee category employ more people than the so-called, you know, uh, than the, the companies that are traded on the Dow, for example. 
So small business, smaller businesses really are the bulk, uh, provide the bulk of jobs, and the and the and the and, and the the bulk of provide more wealth and uh, and resources than people would otherwise sense. But uh, but small business really is the bigger part of America, and it defines who we are. Right. Because it's aspirational. So listen, to be fair, because I am enjoying your Cabernet uh, right in front of me. As am I. And I know you guys make just two wines, but they are two magnificent wines. And I got to be honest, if you just made the one, the Cab, I'd be fine too with that. (laughs) Just got about a minute and a half here. Tell us a little bit about the wine that we're drinking. Okay. Well, our Cabernet is made in a French style. It's not a big California over-oaked, high alcohol, um, dominant type of wine that's going to overpower food. It's designed to make a chef look good, whether it's a restaurant chef or a home cook and it's got a little it's a much it's lower in alcohol so you can have two or three glasses and enjoy it and enjoy your food the chardonnay is a russian river appellation and it is a bright acidic crispy it is not one of those big over oak butterballs that you traditionally associate with california so our wines are really more of an homage and a a carryover from french the french winemaking styles than they are what you would traditionally associate with California. So they're a little surprising in that regard. And that was Lindsay Andrews, founder and CEO of Mini Bar, and John Jordan of Jordan Winery. Love those conversations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for <laughs> most of us, it's good to have a drink every now and again through this quarantine. Gotta say, by the end of the week, I am more than ready. All right, you've been listening to Bloomberg Business Week Extra. And be sure to tune in to Bloomberg Business Week Radio, live Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Masser. This is Bloomberg. <laughs> 